This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Let's open up in prayer and get directly into the word. My message is titled, The Power of Love This Morning. Fathers, we come before you in Jesus' precious name. Thank you that we can gather around your word that transforms and changes us. As I teach on the power of love today, focusing, Lord God, on you and the love walk that you've called us to, I thank you that your word will produce the corresponding change and empower us as believers here at Christian Family Church to walk a greater degree in that love. And all those who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, the first scripture I'm going to share with you this morning is found in Matthew chapter 23, verses 3, 4, 10, 11, and 12. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And many will be offended. Whoa. We live in a society today where everybody gets offended for anything. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You have to be so politically correct anywhere around the world for fear of offending people. They just really want to grab that fence and carry it around. He says, and many will be offended and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Now, verse 12 is what I want to focus on. And because of lawlessness, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The Bible clearly says that the the more lawless a society becomes, the more loveless they become. And so as you notice, the world around you becoming progressively more lawless. And lawlessness only not only applies to a secular environment, but also into the church where people don't want to submit to authority and obey the principles of God. The Lord says by default, the more lawlessness there is, the less love there is going to be. And how many of you agree that that is happening in the world today? So here we have this caution by Jesus himself that in the last days, people's love is going to grow cold. And so I thought it fitting since it's the beginning of February and we're going to be celebrating Valentine's Day and the the church has themed this, that I would focus on this wonderful subject that needs a constant reminder. This is what Lao Tzu says. He was a Chinese philosopher and he got it very right when he said this, being deeply loved by someone gives you strength. Doesn't knowing that God loves us strengthen us? So he says, being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. If the words of Jesus are true, and they are true, what Lao Tzu is telling us that in the last days, we're going to have no strength and we're going to have no courage if we are not careful. Can you imagine a world of Christians have no strength and no courage? And then Pastor Theo said this some years ago, and I've never forgotten it. He said, love is God's power. Say that with me, love is God's power. You want to know what God's power looks like? You just have to look to love. Love is God's power disguised in gentleness. This is another thing that I noticed society is sorely lacking, is gentle-spirited people. 
It's almost like everyone out there is trying to fight fire with fire. Take a look at the road rage incidences that are taking place on the roads. People getting pulled over by traffic officers and are getting fined legitimately and completely losing their cool as if the traffic officer has done something wrong when all he's doing is just doing his job. There just seems to be a general lack of gentleness. How many of you could become a little bit more gentle? Can I see your hands? So when we see what Apostle Theo says here, he says, love is God's power disguised in gentleness. I think it's a great benchmark for us to set ourselves to trust the Lord, to just generally become more gentle individuals. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer turns away wrath, which means somebody's coming at you going, it doesn't help you go back. Because ultimately you end up with two people that are just going, doesn't produce any good. Pastor Johnny asked because he missed it. <laughs> okay, so let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. Paul is speaking and he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You can go on every communications course and learn how to speak well to people and how you should communicate effectively. But the Bible says clearly that all the communications courses in the world without love as their foundation, as the bedrock, will, ap will actually amount to nothing. And this is a word of caution to all those who preach the gospel and who claim to be preachers or who, or who are preachers. The Bible says that if the motive of your teaching is not love, that even your words, though they come from the Bible, will come across as empty and will not produce lasting change in people. Or in other words, my words would have no value at all if I did not have love. Say this after me. I will effect no lasting change as a minister of the gospel without unconditionally loving imperfect people. That's the grassroots of it. That you will never become effective for the kingdom or in life unless you determine in your heart that you are going to love the unlovely. You see, it's easy to love those who love you. It's far more difficult and you need far more grace from God to love those who do not reciprocate. Verse 2, he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy. Now, I want you to notice something very important. The next few verses of scripture that I'm going to be reading almost sounds like a Meltari kind of Christian. For those of you who do not know who Meltari was, Meltari would witness to Indians. He would walk on water. He was so filled with the spirit of God, supernatural signs and wonders, raising the dead and actually walking on water was par for the course for him. These scriptures are practically describing a Meltari kind of person in, the, in gifting. In verse 2 it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. I want you to notice that Paul clearly says it is, a pos it is possible to have mountain-moving faith. It is possible to prophesy. It is possible to have all the knowledge and understand every single mystery of the universe. It's possible to have that and yet be Nothing. A very, very sobering thought. You see, if I could prophesy accurately over the future of South Africa and every person in this church, in actual fact, if hundreds of thousands of people came to hear me prophesy and I gave them their details, telephone number, everything about them, 
But the Bible says, if I did not unconditionally love imperfect people and treat them accordingly, I would be nothing. And today people are getting bamboozled by people that prophesy accurately and they take them at face value. They don't watch how they walk, they watch how they talk. And that's why Jesus says many are going to be deceived. The way you judge a person and the way we should judge ourselves is by our love walk. Watch how they walk, not just how they talk. Even if I had all knowledge about everything, if my brain was a supercomputer, but I had not loved, the Bible says I would be nothing. Now listen to the statement, and it's going to be brought up in a moment. Take a look at this. Truth without love can be mean. Pastor Andre, how can you say truth can be mean? Well, I base this on my understanding of the of the Pharisees that brought the woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus. They had the truth. The truth was that if a woman was caught in adultery and in sin, she deserved to be stoned to death. So they brought Jesus in truth, but they had no love. So even the truth they had was mean. And so many Christians that have grained their knowledge in the word of God and become so intellectually minded, they can have a lot of truth, but they can be of the meanest people you will ever meet. And the Bible says that's not the way it should be. Look at this. Love without truth can be meaningless. You can feed the whole world, but if you don't give them Jesus, what's the point? You've just extended their stay on earth while they're ultimately on their way to hell. But love and truth working together produce lasting change. So the Bible says you can have all knowledge. You can have truth without love. I learned this the hard way. When I first became dean of the Bible college, and I want to share my personal story with you just for a moment. When I was promoted to becoming dean of the Bible college, I'll never forget the first day I got into the office and I got an email. I can't remember where in the world it was from. I suspect it was from somebody in India, if I recall correctly. And this email opened up and it said, Dear Dean, I hadn't even had the title for a day. Dear Dean, did Adam have a navel? A belly button, for those of you watching. Did Adam have a belly button? The pressure to begin to know everything mounted on top of me like a weight. I thought, if I can't answer this basic question, <laughs> how on earth is God ever going to use me? How many of you want to know whether Adam had a navel? <laughs> Anybody want to know? It doesn't matter. Anyway. So the pressure, so what I began to do is I began to devour books. I began to read. I began to watch every program on every Christian network that I possibly could. I made notes. I, I was under immense pressure to get to know stuff. But I noticed that as I grew in my knowledge, I be became progressively more miserable. How can one study the Bible and yet become more miserable? I was. I, be, I promise you, I became, I became somebody terrible to live with. I became such a disciplinarian with my kids. They couldn't put a foot wrong, and I was on them like white on rice. In all my studying, I became self-righteous. My marriage took strain as a result of it. And eventually, my mom came to visit me. I'll never forget her standing in the kitchen. I was renting Jesse and, Jesse and Pastor Lewis's house in Edenville. And my mom called me into the kitchen one day, and she said, Boy, I don't recognize you. You're not my son. Now, immediately, I thought to myself, Is it? I've just come out of reading 13 chapters of the Bible, finished another book, watched 10 TV programs on how Christians should act. You didn't even read your Bible this morning, and you want to tell me, me. 
that you don't know. I don't. That's what felt like coming up inside of me. But thank God he gave me the mercy and grace to soberly look at this and take an inward look at myself. And I said to the Lord, something is definitely wrong. You need to show me what it is. And because I was lacking in love, that's what my mom says, your love walk is all but gone. I went straight back into my prayer closet. I laid on that brown carpet and I said, Lord, now you've got to work something in me. And I began to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 over and over and over again. And as I was reading it, it still wasn't making complete sense. I couldn't feel the change. I couldn't feel the softening of my heart as a result of the revelation of Scripture. And then I got to this verse in my New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. And it's only stated this way in the New Living Translation. This is what the Bible says. Let love be your highest goal. And the Lord would not let me pass that verse. I kept reading, let love be your highest goal. And I said to the Lord, I said, what is it that you're trying to get to me out of frustration? I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I'm missing something here. And God said to me, the day you chose to shift your goal to knowledge is the day you began to fall away. The Lord said to me, you made knowledge your highest goal and not love. Now, that might not be true for you. Knowledge, you might not have traded love being your highest goal for knowledge, but it could possibly have been something else. For example, to be to get debt free, to get promotion, to do business as cutthroat and ruthlessly as you possibly could to get out of debt. The, po the point I'm trying to make and the caution I'm trying to give you is this, is that you must never trade your highest goal, which is love, for anything else. Not for your spouse, not for your kids. Because in making love your highest goal, yes, give the Lord a praise. Because in making love your highest goal, God is your highest goal. But I know there are many out there that still don't, they still think love is something existential. It's, it's something that really can't be comprehended. It's a feeling. That's not what it is. Love is not a feeling. It invokes emotion. But it's by definition not a feeling. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us very plainly and very clearly what true love really is. And we'll get into that in a moment. You see, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, and this was 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1b, and this was my challenge, that knowledge puffs up. You see, I'd gained all the knowledge. I'd become proud and completely devoid of, of the spirit of love. And then he says this, he says, even if I had the faith that could move mountains and stop the sun and sky, but have not love, I would be nothing. You know what we have to be careful of, folks? And this is, this is important to everybody, those of you that are watching online right now, that it's possible that our gifts can take us where character will not keep us. Your gifts can promote you to a place because you caught up the gift of prophecy, gifts of healings, working of miracles, all these kinds of gifts. And it promotes you to a place in ministry because the people need that gift that you've got. But if at any point in time you fall short within your love walk, it means nothing. They will still receive, but you are the one that will suffer loss. If you have to choose between the two, gifts or the love walk, please choose the love walk. In verse 3, it says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Look, this is a guy not only like Meltari that walks in water. This is the guy that gives everything he owns away to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You see, while doing these things mentioned in the previous verses, faith, moving in the gifts, burning your body for the sacrifice of others, selling everything, while doing these things mentioned in the previous verses, 
the following verses that I'm about to read must be the foundation or what you've done is really going to account for nothing. And so now let's take a look at what love or the God kind of love truly is. In verse 4, it says this, that love suffers long or is patient. <laughs> so the first requirement, the first fruit of love is patience. What is the scripture saying? The scripture is saying that if you come across a prophet that can prophesy all these wonderful things and give you your telephone number, address, and date of birth, but he's not a patient man, watch out. Because love firstly suffers long. Love is patient. Don't look to the gifts. Look to the walk. It says here, love suffers long and is kind. I've heard so many people that flow in the gifts are rude to others. The Bible says this is not the God kind of love in operation. And although you may receive from them, for them it won't amount to a hill of beans. It says love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parole. Here's one for, for Instagram. I'm sure that Paul had this in his mind. Love does not parade itself. The flesh parades itself. You know, you can tell a lot about a person just going through their social media feeds. Just take a look at their Instagram feeds. It's this selfie, that Snapchat, this, that. The Bible says love does not parade self. The flesh parades self. It says this, love is not puffed up. Love is not proud. You see, folks, without love, all human education, achievements, and conquests have no value whatsoever. And this is important. No matter how godly love is treated, no matter how godly love is treated, it still responds with kindness. Why? Because kindness is the power of God, which is the love of God. Our love for God is directly proportional to our treatment of people. Say that. My love for God is directly proportional to my treatment of people. Both the saved and the unsaved. Both the lovely and the unlovely. See, your love walk only truly gets tested by how you treat your enemies. Bottom line, that's the barometer. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and anyone who is born of God loves God. He that loveth not God knoweth not God, for love is, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. Let us love one another. So your measure of love for God is not based upon how you worship in church on Sundays. It's not even, it's not even based upon how often you read your Bible. It's not based upon how you move in the gifts. Your love for God, plain and simply, is measured by how you love people, how we love one another. That's why Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. We need a constant reminder. You see, the God kind of love does not envy, whereas natural human love can easily become jealous. And let me say this to you, young people that are dating. The moment either of the two parties begins to exert control on the other person. That is not the God kind of love. The Bible says you will not envy, you will not be jealous. Do you know what the root of jealousy is? The root of jealousy is control. And so if you're dating someone and they begin to tell you what you can and can't do, and they tell you they love you, it's a natural love. It's not a God kind of love. Because if you truly loved God, you would understand and know that there are certain things you cannot control. And one of those things is people. 
But yet the natural kind of love really, really tries to impose that control and getting, I'm telling you, young lady, if that guy's telling you what you can and can't do, it's time to walk away. Until he learns to love God, and then maybe you can see him again. But the moment you begin to cave into that kind of manipulation, because the natural love manipulates. Human love manipulates because human love is very selfish. Human love will love you the one minute as long as you're giving it what it wants. But the moment you don't, it'll turn upon you like a snake. And all of a sudden it goes mad. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This is not the God kind of love. Remember the Bible says that love is not rude. Love is patient with people. That means we have to be patient with people's faults. The Bible says bear with one another's failings and weaknesses. Bear with them. The Bible says show grace. Show love, show tenderness, show mercy. You see, the God kind of love doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up, whereas the natural human love is built on selfishness. Verse number five, it does not behave rudely. You see, if natural human love does not have its way, it will attack and treat harshly the very object of its affection. Love, God kind of love, does not seek its own. The very existence of of human love is to want to seek its own. That's the nature of human love. It is selfish. Look at this. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love believes the best. If you see someone speaking, let me say this. If you see someone speaking across the room, it's your own insecurities that get you to think that they're talking about you. The love of God never looks at people talking and thinks they're talking about me. <laughs> the love of God never does that. The love of God always believes the best. That's what the Bible says. So instead of looking at people that you think are gossiping, but Pastor Andre, what if they are? We'll simply then shower them with love. Heap burning coals on their head. Let them continue talking about you until eventually they'll come back and think, you know what? You're such a beautiful person. I misjudged you. But don't live up to the false reputation that they might be creating about you because in your mind you're trying to control them. There's certain things you can't control, and one of those are the way people talk about you. All you can do is live up to the godly standard and forget about the rest. God will defend you. Amen? That's where true trust in the Lord comes. We get wrapped up in a secular workplace and environment and people get promoted ahead of us. And our first many times our inclination is to think, yeah, I deserve that promotion. I can't believe I was overlooked. Instead of being filled with the love of God and saying, gee, that's awesome, man. They didn't deserve that promotion and they got it. The mercy of God is unfailing. If God will be merciful to them, hallelujah, God's going to be merciful to me and my promotion is just around the corner. Don't be like the brother of the prodigal son who got jealous because God blessed him. You see, the true love of God, that's its nature, to believe the best in everybody all the time. And I tell you what, it takes a whole bunch of pressure off. It takes a whole lot of pressure off. Because when your trust is completely in God to look after you and promote you, and you are so secure in His love, remember, the love of God gives you strength. Loving someone gives you courage. When you got that, I promise you, you are unmoved and unshaken. Our foundation, our bedrock, is the love of God towards us. It says love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked, thinks no evil, 
Look at this in verse 5 in the New Living Translation. It says this, love keeps no record when it is wronged. <laughs> keeps no. Now, my wife is a brilliant administrator. Not in this sense. She really just is good at filing documents. That's what my wife is good at. And I thought to myself, why do people file documents? You file documents because maybe three, four, five years from now, the receiver of revenue. I like the receiver, by the way. The receiver of revenue sends an audit and says, listen, we want all your documents. Thank God you've kept them so that you can submit them and prove yourself to be a legitimate tax-paying citizen who pleases the Lord. Now, that's good for filing as far as SARS is concerned. It's not good when you marry to someone. <laughs> Say this. I file. I know. Nothing. <laughs> I'm telling you. The Lord doesn't have a filing cabinet. It says he blots out our sins and transgressions and iniquities. Now, we rejoice that God does that for us. But it's amazing the capacity we have to have a filing cabinet in our brain that records more readily what people do wrong than what they do right. So for every five million things they do right, we'll remember the black spot and the white wall. We'll remember one thing that they did wrong, and it's amazing. When the pressure comes, how quickly that thing comes to the fore. Bible says the love of God does not do that. It keeps no record. Not some, no. Can someone say no record? So the Bible says this, we can have all these wonderful gifts, we can move mountains, we can raise the dead, we can walk on water, we can prophesy to the world. But if we don't get these basic principles of what true godly love is all about, it profits us nothing and we are nothing. Because where the love of God is absent, people's lives cannot be changed, including our own. So the God kind of love forgives those who've wronged it. And the Bible says that if we do that, immediately the Father comes and removes the hurt. And let me just say this. It's so much more difficult to love when you're not free. When you've got stuff going on on the inside of you, it's so much more difficult to love, which is why Christian Family Church in the next week is going to be launching our freedom groups. How many of you are ready for a freedom group, okay? Now, for those of you who don't know what a freedom group is, we've got groups. We brought groups together various different types of freedom groups within the ministry with a group of people that have been through what you're going through. And we're encouraging you to get into a freedom group. Maybe you've got a challenge. Maybe there's a bad habit that you're trying to overcome that you don't want to talk about. Get into a freedom group because when you hear somebody sharing about that and how they've overcome it, it will empower you to get through that as well. We're going to have freedom groups that will help you become free of debt, free from gambling. If you're struggling with gambling, listen, everybody's got stuff. You know, we're a mixed bag. I've said this before. All of us have got a bit of baggage somewhere. Some have a small Louis Vuitton purse under their, under their arm that you barely can see. The others have like a whole luggage shop that they carry along with them, you know? So, so everybody's got something. But become free first within yourself, and you'll find it so much easier to love. So keep a lookout for these freedom groups. They're going to be coming to you pretty soon. Another thing that these freedom groups and group life really helps us do, it helps us crucify our selfish nature. Because you might end up going there to receive, but soon enough you'll find that you are there to give. Because love gives. Amen? It says in verse 6 that love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. You see, natural human love 
when it has its natural human love rejoices when it has its way. When I get my way, but the love of God rejoices when truth wins out. In verse 7, the Bible says, The love of God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. On the other hand, however, natural love is easily angered, very touchy, and must never be ignored. Turn with me to James chapter 2 and verse 12. Look at the scripture and I'll close with this. The half-brother of Jesus said this, So whenever you speak, or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law of love, the law that sets you free. What is this law of love? Well, this law of love is explained in Romans chapter 14 and verse 8. Take a look at the screen behind me. Look at what Romans chapter 14 and verse 8 says. It says, let no debt remain outstanding. Say this, God wants me to be debt free. Say it boldly, God wants me to be debt free. But look at this, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The Lord is saying, no believer will ever be completely debt-free. No one in this house today is debt-free. No one watching on the internet is debt-free. The Bible says when you wake up in the morning, you are deep in debt. But the debt you owe is the love that needs to be repaid to God. And just like when you wait at the end of the month, you go and pay your Edgar's bill, you can't pay your Edgar's bill to yourself. It's something you have to give away. And this is what I want to leave you with this thought that when you wake up in the morning, you have to understand that I owe God a debt that will never, ever be paid while I'm on this earth, which means I can never, ever love enough. I cannot show enough mercy to people. I cannot show enough grace towards people. I cannot show enough favor towards people. Every morning when we wake up, we have a debt that needs to be paid because the love of God has been poured out on you and I. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just before I invite those who do not know Jesus to ex accept him as their personal Lord and Savior, I want us all to say this together. Say, dear Holy Spirit of love, you are mine. I yield to you now and always to love through me, to love those who hate me and those who curse me and those who spitefully use me. Only you can do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.